0: Hi there everyone, I hope you're keeping well. I'm Rob, a producer from the Black Country Talking News, and this week's edition is for the 28th of September 2022.
1: Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacon Centre. We are pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspaper skill all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking news as a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 880 We hope you enjoy this week's edition Thank you very much for that Angela Speaking for us this week we have myself Rob, Mina, Ian,
0: Helen, Angela, Christine, Ed, Luke, Nikki, Jan, and of course, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition we have an update from Beacon, some local news from the Black Country, we the quiz with Mina, news from West Bromwich Albion and Walls, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, information about the BBO Bridges project, another edition of Sounds of Nature, Inspiring stories of friends and family helping people with visual impairments. And rounding us off, we have some autumnal gardening tips. However, we start this week with our guest the sound question. I'm going to play a sound clip, and all you have to do is simply guess what it is. So, here's this week's clip. Have a think on that, and Mina will reveal the answer later, alongside the usual quiz answers. We have now then, as always, some local news. Brought us by Angela, Ed, myself, Rob, Ian and first up, it's Christine.
2: The West Midlands is being lined up to host low-tax investment zones the Chancellor has announced. Kwasi Kwarteng revealed talks are ongoing with areas across England to set up the new initiative, which he says will support growth by reducing taxes for businesses and cutting planning red tape. The scope of the project is wider than first thought, with around 40 zones being considered. It is believed the West Midlands Combined Authority wants to establish a zone along the Wolverhampton to Warsaw Corridor, while the stretch from Wensbury to Briley Hill has also been put forward. Staffordshire is also being considered. Announcing the measure as part of his growth plan, the Chancellor said that investment zones would bring targeted action in local areas. I can announce the creation of new investment zones, he said. We will liberalise planning rules in specified agreed sites, releasing land and accelerating development. We will cut taxes. For businesses in designated tax sites, for 10 years there will be accelerated tax reliefs for structures and buildings and 100% tax relief on qualifying investments in plant and machinery. If we really want to level up, we have to unleash the power of the private sector, Mr Quarteng said. Wolverhampton Council leader Ian Brookfield said the investment zone scheme could open up real potential for the city. He said, We are working hard for investment from the government and from overseas developers because we need jobs in our city. Jobs are the bricks on which we build everything else upon. We will look at any initiative and work with any government department and the West Midlands Combined Authority to that end.
3: A new police commander today called for community support to help clamp down on serious crime. Chief Superintendent Anthony Tagg has taken over as Dudley's top officer, having previously led counter terrorism and vehicle crime for West Midlands Police. The 51-year-old said that under his watch there would be an increase in the number of bobbies on the beat as part of a boost in neighbourhood policing. But he said the force can't tackle crime in isolation and that he wanted to mobilise communities to help make streets safe. Chief Superintendent Tagg is Dudley's third commander in four months and arrives with the borough's crime rate 10% higher than the West Midlands' average. He has expressed that he would prioritise youth violence and drug dealers, as well as crimes that were having a damaging impact on communities, such as antisocial behaviour, robbery, burglary and vehicle crime. He said, My message to the people of Dudley is please engage with us and tell us what is concerning you. I am committed to working with the communities in Dudley to make it the most safe and secure place it can possibly be. But the police cannot do this in isolation and we need the help of the community in order to succeed. Chief Superintendent Tagg said forging strong working relationships with the local council, schools and health bodies was vital in the fight against crime.
0: A major tram extension and other key black country infrastructure projects will be fast-tracked under new government plans, ministers have confirmed. Andy Street said The government had committed to pushing on with schemes including the wensbury to briley hill metro extension the west midlands mayor said following talks of leveling up secretary simon clark it was crystal clear that ministers wanted the region to be at the forefront of the new plan for growth he said there are a number of specific schemes in the black country that the government wants to be pushing on with much faster the secretary of state said very clearly that lots of infrastructure projects would be sped up and critically this included the Briley Hill Metro extension. Other schemes set to be fast-tracked include the long-awaited revamp at the Birchley Island in Oldbury and the new Aldridge Railway Station, the Mayor said. The completion of the Wensbury to Briley Hill extension was plunged into doubt earlier this year after bosses revealed half the line had been mothballed due to a huge funding shortfall. It comes after Metro workers voted last week vote to strike over pay with Unite saying stoppages were likely in October should the ballot pass. The results were expected early next week. Meanwhile, Mr Street revealed that the region was bidding to host four of the government's new investment zones, which will see tax cuts and planning laws relaxed in a bid to drive growth. He said in the West Midlands Combined Authority area zones had been planned around the Warsaw to Wolverhampton corridor and the Wensby to Briley Hill metro line, as well as at the Coventry Gigafactory and in East Birmingham. We have shown an interest in the zones that we specified in our Trailblazer devolution deal, said Mr Street, who said the zones would lead to more and better job opportunities. We are expecting to submit proposals for all of them, and I believe we will be in a strong position to be successful.
4: Permanent memorials to the late Queen are being considered for a number of areas in the Black Country, council bosses have revealed. Wolverhampton Council is to consider a permanent tribute in the city centre. Queen Square is the location of the statue of Prince Albert on horseback, which is fondly known as the Man on the Oss by local people. The leader of the council, Councillor Ian Brookfield, said he would be taking the question of whether a memorial to the late Queen could be put in place in the square for investigation by the council. He said, we will consider if there is something that we can do to remember the Queen. Considering we have a Queen Square, it would be appropriate to have a memorial there. Bosses at Sandwell Council said the authority would also be considering some form of memorial over the coming months. Sandwell Council's Deputy Leader, Councillor Bob Piper said, It is clear from the outpouring of condolences and memories shared by our residents since Queen Elizabeth II's passing, how well loved she was in Sandwell. We are keen to find a permanent way here in Sandwell to celebrate her exceptional reign, her life and her service exactly what form this memorial will take will need to be carefully considered this is something we'll be considering over the coming months and also liaising with the west midlands left tenancy and buckingham palace it is not yet known whether walsall council dudley council or staffordshire county council will also be considering memorials for the queen but the authorities have been approached for comment
1: A Dudley councillor and paramedic has spoken of his pride in being selected to march in the Queen's funeral procession. Upper Gornal and Woodsetton councillor Adam Aston spent five days rehearsing his role at an army barracks and marched in the civilian services behind the military brigades. To ensure members of the civilian organisations, including the ambulance, fire and police services, got their roll right on the day, they were put through their paces by the army at Purbright. He said, It has been hard work. We marched and marched for days. One of us had a watch which said we had marched 95,000 steps, which is 36 miles. And that does not surprise me, as my feet, back, calves and everything else seems to be hurting. There are sore feet, and then there are eight hours of British Army foot drill sore feet. He added, as a paramedic, marching is not something we normally do, so it was really hard work. But the army people were absolutely brilliant with us from start to finish. It is something which I'll never, ever forget. And I'm sure I'll be telling my patients about it all when I get back to my normal job. I had a message from my former scout leader who said, do the third Sedgley St. Andrews scouts proud, which was really nice to hear. Up next, we
0: hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon update.
5: Hi everyone, it's Helen from the Beacon Centre. Well, it seems like a long time since I've caught up with you and it's certainly been a momentous couple of weeks. I do hope that you all keep them well though, and following a short break, you won't be surprised to hear that I've got plenty to tell you. First up, we're so excited to share that Bright for Sight is back. Yep, once again, we're going to be urging everyone to go Bright for the Beacon Centre to support those with sight loss as part of our annual Bright for Sight Day on Thursday, October the 13th. Anyone wanting to get involved just needs to raid their wardrobe to find their brightest outfit to wear in the day and then make a donation to Beacon. Beacon. It's an easy way for families, schools, community groups and businesses to show their support and help spread the message that bright colours and good contrast can help people to make the most of their sight. You can sign up on Beacon's website www.beaconvision.org forward slash bright hyphen four hyphen site or donate five pounds by texting bright to 70085. Texts cost £5 plus one standard rate message. And if you decide to get involved, don't forget to tag us in your pictures. Hashtag... Bright for Beacon. Now, you may have heard that it's recently been National Eye Health Week. It's an awareness event that we love to get involved in here at Beacon because, well, we're all about good eye health. As I'm sure you'll be aware, eye tests are vital health checks. They can spot signs of eye disease years before you notice a change in your vision. They can even detect a range of common health conditions. So, during IWeek, we're encouraging everyone to get tested because, well, vision matters. Now, it wouldn't be a beacon update without a thank you. And this week, we want to say a very big thank you to everyone who's entered our summer raffle. Thanks to you, we raised more than £550 to help support our work. We hope our 10 winners enjoy their incredible prizes and there really were some amazing ones and our thanks also go to the generous businesses who donated them. Lastly this week, we were thrilled to be hosting a Dudley Borough free exhibition showcasing stories of a pandemic recently. It was through photographs and quilting. Now, depending on when you're listening to this, it may or may not still be there as it's due to run until Wednesday, September the 28th in our restaurant at our Sedgley Centre. If you don't manage to catch up with Beacon though, it will be moving on to Hale Owen Library from the 3rd of October. That's it for this week. I'll be back soon to catch up with you all again. Take care.
0: Choose that beacon update, Helen. Up now, we have another block of local news. And kicking this one off, we first hear Ian.
4: The new police commander in Dudley says groups of travellers arriving in the borough will be dealt with on a case by case basis. Chief Superintendent Anthony Tagg said he aims to work with travellers to find a solution to illegal camps, but said he will bring the full force of the law down when necessary. His comments follow a row in November 2021 between Dudley Council and West Midlands Police over how to deal with travellers in the borough. It was sparked when council chiefs requested police assistance after a group of travellers stayed at the Budden Road transit site in Cosley for longer than the 28 days allowed by law. Chief Superintendent Kim Madill, the borough's police commander at the time, refused to support the council, citing concerns about the travellers' human rights. Asked how travellers who outstayed their welcome would be dealt with under his watch, Chief Superintendent Tagg said, I think it's important we work on a case-by-case basis and that we work with the travelling community to find a solution. Clearly we have powers afforded to us by law and if it's appropriate to utilise those powers then that's something we will do. The local authority here in Dudley has a transit site where travellers can go to. There's an awful lot of work we can do in terms of working with the local authority and the traveller community so that issues are dealt with before they become too critical.
1: Wolverhampton Council has announced its preferred developer for one of the largest city centre residential development opportunities in the Midlands. The council has now entered into an exclusivity agreement with Legal & General Modular Homes, a subsidiary of Legal & General Capital to build around 400 new homes subject to planning approval at Wolverhampton's Canalside South. The decision comes following an open market tendering process alongside partners, the Canal and River Trust, supported by strategic real estate advisors, Avison Young. Precision engineered in LG's modular factory in Leeds, every modular home will include an air source heat pump, PV panels and electric vehicle charging point. The homes will be more efficient to run and the flats are up to 30% cheaper to heat and run than the average apartment. The 17-acre waterfront development opportunity sits on the eastern edge of the city centre and is made up of the Canal and River Trust-owned former Crane Foundry site and the Council's former British Steel site and its land off Qualcost Road. Wolverhampton Council Deputy Leader and Cabinet Member for City Economy, Councillor Stephen Simkis said Legal in General has a strong background in the property sector, investing in urban regeneration, financing affordable housing and building modular homes. The tendering process demonstrated there is a strong developer appetite to deliver a transformational project in this part of Wolverhampton. We have now secured a prestigious developer with the expertise to deliver this large and exciting opportunity at Canal Side South, and through our Canal Side delivery partnership with the Canal & River Trust, we are determined to realise this scheme's full potential.
2: Urgent emergency care at Dudley's Russell's Hall Hospital remains under considerable pressure as doctors also battle an almost 20 month waiting list for routine medical procedures. But the Dudley Group NHS Foundation Trust Board was told that despite ongoing challenges, it was on track to reduce the 78 week backlog mainly caused by the coronavirus pandemic by next spring. Trust Chief Executive Diane Wake told the meeting on Thursday that Mondays were particularly busy. We have seen pressures at our front door, she said. We have seen a big increase in activity. We have well above activity levels prior to COVID. Even on Monday, on the day of the monarch's funeral, every other trust in the area was quiet, except Dudley. We are seeing over five to 600 patients daily. We are absolutely committed to getting this right. We have worked very hard to create additional space and capacity so we can unload ambulances. Staff are under relentless pressure. I have to commend them for their hard work, she said. She reported that overall the number of patients waiting more than 62 days for procedures was higher than trajectory. She insisted that reducing lists, including for general surgery, was a key focus and that reducing the number of patients waiting between one year and 78 weeks remained a challenge. Efforts to tackle the issues include the opening of two new minor procedure rooms to provide extra facilities to meet the demand for elective procedures and cancer appointments and working collaboratively as one trust alongside the other three Black Country Acute Hospitals to share resources. There are no 104-week waits on our horizon. We have to reduce the 78-week plus backlog by March 2023, and we remain on track, which is very positive for our patients.
0: Black cab drivers in Wolverhampton who don't offer contactless card payments as an option Or tried to add a surcharge to the fare, will face legal action. The city's licensing boss has warned. The council approved the compulsory requirement of the facility for contactless card payments within all Hackney carriage vehicles on January 19th this year. Although most proprietors and drivers had already complied with the move, licensing manager Greg Bickerdyke said a few were yet to provide a machine to allow customers to pay by contactless methods. Mr. Bickerdyke said the Council had received several complaints from customers stating that this service was not offered, or that attempts had been made to impose a surcharge for using debit or credit cards. In a report to the Council's Regulatory Committee, he said, It is proposed that the Hackney carriage vehicle licensing conditions be updated. This will facilitate enforcement action against non-compliant proprietors. It is awful to impose surcharges on customers for using consumer credit cards, debit or charge cards, electronic payment services such as PayPal, or similar non-card methods such as mobile phones. Customers should not be charged any more than the amount which is displayed on the meter or the agreed fare. The pre-agreed fare cannot include any additional charge for using a debit or credit card payment. This does not apply to transactions using a corporate or business credit card.
1: More rubbish was dumped in St Thomas's than any other ward in Dudley over the last two years. This is according to a Freedom of Information request which showed how much waste was dumped on the streets across all wards in Dudley since 2020. In total, there were 1,377 incidents over the two-year period from August 1st 2020 to August 1st this year. St Thomas's, Lyon Stourbridge North and Briley Hill made up the top three worst areas, with around 150 cases recorded each. Dudley Council says it aims to prosecute those caught fly-tipping. The news comes as the council's £1.7 million CCTV system recently caught 13 alleged fly-tippers red-handed. Pedmore and Stourbridge East, Kings South and Norton recorded the lowest number of incidents over the two years, with Norton recording less than 10 incidents. Dudley Council said, Dumping waste where it's not allowed or allowing others to do so is a criminal offence. You could face very large fines and even be sent to prison. The Environment Agency work with us to tackle the illegal dumping of waste. Where a really serious crime is being committed, the Environment Agency will get involved and we aim to prosecute. We are working with the Environment Agency to crack down on waste crime. Together, we aim to reduce the amount of environmental damage caused by fly tipping and the negative impact fly tipping gives to residents and visitors to Dudley. The cost of fly-tipping across the Midlands costs over £6 million to taxpayers every year to clean up. We have received an effective score for dealing with fly-tipping as part of a national performance indicator set by the government.
0: Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition and they're brought to us by Mina.
6: Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. What was the name of the former site of Dudley Hippodrome? Question 2. What year did the Hippodrome open? Question 3. How many seats were in the Hippodrome? Question 4. Which room in the station hotel is reputed to be haunted? Question 5. What sport was staged in the Hippodrome until 1969? And finally, question 6. In what year did the Hippodrome finally close? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show, but for now, good luck.
0: Cheers for those questions, Mina. I'll of course give those a ponder as the show progresses. Up now, however, we have a new block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine.
2: A white van man has been branded a scumbag for stealing a free community fruit box. Councillor Richard Boddy wanted to share his garden's abundance of apples and pears, so left them in a container on Grove Road in the Woolascot area of Stourbridge, with a note inviting people to take one and pass one on. However, twice in two weeks, two men ignored the note and attempted to take the lot. Councillor Boddy stopped one in the act and caught another taking the entire box on CCTV. The Craigley and Woolascott counsellor said, I am just trying to help the community by sharing what I do not need, but cannot believe some people want to take advantage. I was in the garden when I spotted a delivery driver taking all the fruit and pointed to the note and told him what a world we would live in if everyone was like him. He claimed he had not seen it and handed some fruit back. But today I've come back from the shops and the entire container has gone missing. So I checked my camera and some absolute scumbag has stolen the lot and my container. He was in a high-vis jacket too. Sadly, my camera was not set to HD, so I can't see the logo on the van, but someone might. However, Councillor Boddy is not going to let the bad apples spoil his desire to help others in the community. He said... Not everyone is bad. I have had three lovely notes from people saying how much they enjoyed an apple or pear. The notes were a nice gesture and I enjoyed reading them. Life should be about sharing. As a professional cabinet maker and upholsterer, councillor body is determined to make it harder for thieves to plunder the fruit.
0: Lecturers and students attended a protest outside Wolverhampton Civic Centre last Saturday in response to the university's plans to axe over 130 courses and cut 250 jobs. The protest was organised by Wolverhampton University and College Union and was backed by the Trade Unions Council. The UCU is in dispute with the University of Wolverhampton over the suspension of student recruitment onto 146 courses and redundancies. UCU President Janet Farrer, UCU President-elect Justine Mercer, and UCU West Midlands Chair Rhiannon Lockley, all spoke at the protest. Miss Farah said, This protest is sending a message to Wolverhampton University how unpopular these cuts are. Wolverhampton UCU has the backing of branches across the country and we stand in solidarity with those staff fighting these cuts. The support has been amazing from across the union and across the movement. She said, What Wolverhampton University has done is an attack on students, and the working class. Youngsters from Wolverhampton take humanities and performing arts. They will not have that choice. It was great seeing so many people from other colleges and community groups saying this is not on. I can understand how upset people in Wolverhampton are and I've come here today to promise the UCU will fight these awful cuts and employment practices. The UCU has balloted university and college members for industrial action after rejecting a 2.5% pay offer. The university staff resort is due in October, but college staff voted in favour and are planning national strike days on Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Miss Farah said, Now is time to fight back. Now is the time to make a stand. We have a fantastic campaign across the country to get UCU members to vote yes for industrial action.
1: Starbridge MP Suzanne Webb has been appointed as Liz Truss's Parliamentary Private Secretary. The key role will see her serve as the eyes and ears of the new PM in Parliament, with a remit to support her on a day-to-day basis, liaise with MPs and help administer Prime Minister's questions. Ms Webb previously worked with the PM when she was International Trade Secretary and backed her during the Conservative leadership campaign. She said it is a huge honour to be asked to do this job for the new Prime Minister and I will do all I can to support her and her government as it sets about tackling the challenges the country faces. I have been a big supporter of Liz since I worked with her when she was International Trade Secretary. I supported her leadership campaign because I passionately believe in her policies of putting more money into people's pockets through tax cuts. I passionately support her ideas to help our country through the cost of living crisis, her priority of getting the economy moving and increasing investment and her steadfast support of Ukraine. Along with improving the NHS and safeguarding our energy security, we have much to do and I'm looking forward to playing my part in the years to come. I believe my new role will do much to help the West Midlands too and my focus remains firmly on Starbridge and my priorities of jobs, 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 protecting our green belt and levelling up our communities. Another ally of Mistrust, Aldridge Brown Hills MP Wendy Morton has been appointed Chief Whip, while Wolverhampton South West MP Stuart Anderson has been reappointed as an Assistant Whip.
3: Wolves have submitted plans to make the match day fan zone at Molyneux a permanent fixture. The fan zone, which sits behind the Sir Jack Hayward stand, has been popular with fans since it opened during the 2019-20 season. Up to now, it has operated under temporary licences, but the club has now put forward a scheme that would make the fan zone permanent. The scheme, which has been submitted to Planning Chiefs at Wolverhampton Council, proposed a permanent fan zone on a former match day surface car park. It says that existing fan zone currently operates as a match day fan zone under temporary licences. It will take up an area of almost 1,400 square metres outside Molyneux and would require the removal of 53 parking spaces according to plans. The zone will be walled in using metal cladding with wolves themed vinyl wrap graphics. It would be run by one of the full-time members of staff and 10 who would be employed on a part-time basis while the proposed maximum hours of operation are from 10am to 11pm. Wolves described the fan zone as an opportunity for supporters to grab food and drink whilst taking in the match day atmosphere before making their way into the stadium. It is open before and after games and features family entertainment and prizes. According to the plans, the permanent fan zone would include a play area, a mobile screen and various food and beverage outlets.
2: Three green spaces across Dudley are set to be given special status to provide them with greater protection from developers. Sites at Clockfields in Brierley Hill, Uffmore in Hales Owen and Land off Pedmore Lane, Stowbridge will be considered special nature and conservation areas under new plans. It comes as a number of sites in the borough remain under threat, having been included in the Black Country Plan, which has earmarked thousands of homes for Greenbelt land. The new plans will see Clockfields considered a key conservation area, given sites of local importance for nature conservation status. The area of Wood and Grassland, which runs next to Stourbridge Canal, has long been eyed up by developers and recently saw a new home scheme thrown out by Dudley Council's planning committee. Meanwhile, Tack Farm at Uffmore in Owen, which is already designated a Sites of Local Importance for Nature Conservation, could see its Stour Valley section upgraded, giving it greater protection. The site's hedgerows are under consideration for sites of local importance for nature conservation status. Parts of a site at Pedmore Lane, Stourbridge, already have sites of local importance for nature conservation status, but under the new plans, sections of currently undesignated hedgerows, scrub and woodland will be included. Ecological surveys have been carried out on the sites to assess their suitability for the protected status, which will be decided at a Cabinet meeting on Thursday. Councillor Simon Phipps, Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Enterprise, said, We have lots of green spaces which need to be protected at all costs. They not only offer important conservation and ecological sites of significance for wildlife, they provide great places for people to spend time in. Coming up now, we hear from Luke from the
0: BBO Bridges Employment Project that helps support people in Wolverhampton and the Black Country living with sight loss or any other disabilities or barriers to find work or improve their
7: lives. Hello, everyone. My name is Luke Purdy. I work on the BBO Bridges Employment Project as an employment officer at the Beacon Centre in Sedgley. I work alongside Ranjit Chopra, who has the same role as me uh, as an employment officer. So we, we work hand in hand with different participants and different caseloads. Um, We have Sharon Bannister, who is our administrator, who helps us massively with all the paperwork. But the main people that you'll see if joining the project would be myself and Ranjit. I'll tell you a little bit about the project. So the BBO Bridges Employment Project helps support people in Wolverhampton and the black country uh, living with sight loss or any other disability or barrier um, to find work or improve their lives. The programme supports people aged 25 and over Uh, to increase their work readiness and confidence um, for the purpose of progression into education, employment, self-employment, or to improve independent job search skills. Typically, we we do this in a number of ways. Obviously, people that come to us, their needs will vary massively from person to person. um, And we understand that you need to have a bespoke package, really, to support everyone. So the sort of stuff we do, Uh, that people can access is one-to-one mentoring uh, with their employment officer for support uh, with job search skills, CVs, application forms, and interview techniques. Uh, We do tailored IT support sessions. uh, That's available. And we also do work placements um, within our Fab Lab facility, um, which is a digital and design skills manufacturing area. It's it's a brilliant setup and you can get a lot of uh, good experience down there. And we can also support individuals accessing Uh, Voluntary placements and we have loads of resources um, via our big network of partners which can all help you develop new skills. Um, So the the BBO Bridges project is a large project and in the Black Country there's many different elements to it. So the Beacon Centre is one partner but we have a whole network of partners that can support you if we can't help with a certain issue. So that's typically the BBO Bridges project in a nutshell. My advice, really, if you are struggling to look for work, you know, you've got barriers, you've been struggling for a long time, I would suggest using the free services that are out there, which a lot of people aren't aware of. And it's projects like this that I work on that can really open your eyes to what is out there and what support is available to you. And it's all free, you know. So if you are struggling to look for work and you want the extra support, utilize all the free stuff there's loads of free courses that you can get on to build up your qualifications while you're not working Um, but this project that I work on can really help people like that so if you do um, want to join up or you want to get any more information uh, you can contact me Uh, my email address is lpurdy at beaconvision.org or you can contact me on my mobile which is 7849 802 458 um, I hope that's OK. Uh,
0: thank you for listening. Cheers for that, Luke. Up now on this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have our final block of local news. And starting this one off, we first
1: hear Angela. Television's The Chase star, Sean Wallace, was the guest at a gala held to mark a charity's 35th anniversary. Almost 450 people attended the African Caribbean Community Initiative event held at Wolverhampton Racecourse in Dunstall to celebrate reconnecting with members and the community after the coronavirus crisis. The bash was the first to be hosted by the group since the pandemic and it also aimed to recognise 35 years of the charity's efforts to deliver mental health support services in the area. Organisers said the celebration held on September 10th was a huge success with awards presented to the dedicated volunteers by ITV The Chase star, Wallace. Hosted by comedian John Simmett of musical Rush, A Joyous Jamaican Journey, there were live performances by singers, the Voice UK 2021 singer Janelle Antonesia and the Black Country Gospel Choir. African Caribbean Community Initiative provides support for African Caribbeans affected by mental ill health. Services include supported housing and advice, day facilities and specialist outreach, counselling and a carer support group. African Caribbean Community Initiative Chief Executive Alicia Spence said, Over the last few years, our annual gala couldn't take place due to the pandemic, But now, more than ever, we need events like this one to amplify our voice and help us raise funds to continue delivering our services to the local community. I would like to thank our sponsors and the local community for continuing to support the African Caribbean Community Initiative. The money raised from the event will make a huge difference to our members.
4: German Donna Kebab has opened at Merry Hill, creating 40 jobs. The restaurant menu features the new cocoa and kiki kebabs, the UK's first pink kebabs. The new products are served in a fluffy pink coconut-infused waffle bread in two different sizes, cocoa and kiki, and are combined with donna meats, fresh lettuce, tomato, onion, red cabbage, making it a seriously delicious balance of nutty sweetness mixed with GDK savoury flavours. The brand now has over 100 restaurants in the UK, as well as outlets in Sweden, Ireland and the UAE. Daniel Bunce, German Donner Kebab MD for UK and Europe said, We're delighted to officially open a German Donner Kebab at Mary Hill. Our game-changing kebabs are revolutionising the kebab in the UK. And we're excited to be bringing our new dining experience to the area offering great tasting fresh food in a relaxed and modern setting. Jonathan Poole, centre manager at Maryhill added, we're thrilled to welcome German Donner Kebab to Eat Central at an exciting time for the centre as we continue to expand our thriving food and drink offering this summer. The new opening provides even more options for visitors searching for a satisfying bite to eat. In addition to extra Wurst, Pizza Hut Express and Tim Hortons, who opened at the centre earlier this year. We're sure German Donner Kebab's unique menu will go down a treat with our visitors.
3: A farm on the edge of Wolverhampton is getting ready to welcome visitors eager to pick their own pumpkins in time for Halloween. Thousands of pumpkins have been grown in at Essington Farm, and people can now book tickets online to visit next month. Richard Simpkin, farmer at Essington Farm, said... It's been a strange year. Pumpkins have liked the warm weather, but we've had a few worries whether they were getting enough rain. But most have gone through that okay. The quality at the moment is very good. The only problem this year is there won't be as many big ones. We have 10 different varieties that differ in size, shape and colour. The farm will have pumpkins in a variety of colours including white, orange, yellow, pink and silver grey. It will be open for people to pick their own pumpkins during October. Tickets to pick pumpkins will have to be booked in advance at essingtonfarm.co.uk.
0: A baby binturong has been born at Dudley Zoo, making it the first of its species to be born at the Black Country Zoo in 85 years. The baby, whose name has not yet been announced, was born to two-year-old Coco and five-year-old Elliot earlier this month. Pictures show the adorable baby, otherwise known as a binlet, snuggling up with its mum, as it makes itself at home in the enclosure. Binturongs are also known as bear cats, due to their fluffy, feline-esque appearance and are famous for smelling like warm buttered popcorn. This is because of a chemical in their urine which is the same substance that gives fresh popcorn its smell. Native to the tropical rainforests of South and Southeast Asia, Binturongs are omnivores and eat everything from small mammals, fish and birds to worms insects, leaves and fruit. The birth of the new baby is especially important as binturongs are classified as vulnerable to extinction due to habitat loss, the pet trade and being killed for meat, fur or medicine. A spokeswoman for the zoo said, Mom and baby are doing really well. It marks another conservation win for the zoo after the birth of two baby orangutans in the summer, born within a month of each other.
2: A new KFC restaurant and takeaway is set to open in the centre of Wolverhampton after council bosses approved plans. The vacant premises in Queen Street, which falls within the St Peter's Ward, was previously home to Ice Stone Gelato Food and Coffee House, but has stood empty for some time. Ward councillors Kwasia Azim, Obeda Ahmed and Lynn Moran have all welcomed the addition of the new KFC outlet. This is great news, said Councillor Azim. We want a lively and appealing city centre. The approval of planning permission for a major fast food chain will increase footfall and provide another great space for people to enjoy. Councillor Ahmed added, This is very good news for the city. KFC is a well-known food chain that will attract more people to the city. It's another step closer to the vibrant centre we want. I completely agree with my colleagues. The soul of many city centres these days rests upon entertainment, eating and drinking, said Councillor Moran. And this business is an example of that. It will attract more families to our city and enrich centre life. In a statement on behalf of KFC bosses, the Tahir Group, Adam Beamish of Nottingham-based Beamish Consultancy said the venture would create 20 full and 10 part-time jobs. Up
0: now, it's trivia time. Brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature.
8: Hello again everyone, I hope that you're feeling as well as you can be. This week I've been thinking about the wealth of home entertainment that there is these days. What with DVDs, Netflix and the like, but it did look back at local entertainment from the past. Now then, did you know that? Our Dudley Hippodrome, whose fate is still being argued over, was built during 1937 and 1938? and occupies the site of the Dudley Opera House, which was opened in 1899. By the summer of 1910, it was being advertised as the Opera House, Picture Palace and Electric Theater. It was all destroyed by a fire in 1936. The Dudley Hippodrome was opened on the 19th of December, 1938. The brick-built Art Deco construction with stalls and circle had seating for about 1,750 people who flocked to see live variety acts and live bands who had been made famous by their performances on the radio. In 1947 the Hippodrome was graced by the appearance of Laurel and Hardy who played to packed audiences. Visitors to the Hippodrome had the convenience of travelling from outlying districts because of the location of Dudley Station just a few yards away from the theatre's front door. For those who wanted to stay over then the station hotel would have been the ideal spot right opposite the Hippodrome and railway station. But those wishing to overnight at the station hotel might have been well advised to avoid the now infamous room 214, reported to be haunted by a maid who was murdered in the late 19th century. A locked off camera captured the chair being beside the window as it moved by itself. Guests have fled the bedrooms in terror and refused to return and poltergeist activity within the cellars and restaurant is a common occurrence. The Hippodrome's history of being a venue for live theatre was quite short lived really, just 26 years. It remained open as a variety theatre until 1964, its popularity declining gradually, no doubt brought about by the ability and affordability of television in people's homes. It was reinvented as a bingo hall casino, and until 1969, staged live wrestling matches. Another metamorphosis occurred when the venue was relaunched in 1973 as Caesar's Palace. The likes of Tommy Steele, Ken Dodd, The Bachelors, and Mike and Bernie Winters all put on performances, as did Tommy Cooper, Bob Monkhouse, Gene Pitney, Frank Ifield, and Frankie Vaughan. But this could not hide the fact that the Variety Theatre was going out of fashion. Roy Orbison was the last live performance in August 1974. From that time on, the Hippodrome became just another bingo club, finally closing its doors in 2009. Well, the good old Hippodrome, eh then? A very varied history, embodied in a palace of entertainment that was on our doorstep. I'm pretty sure I was taken there for a pantomime when I was a kid. Did your new view go? In Road Up, I'm off. I'll warm up a microwave dinner and watch a rerun of Summit on the tilly. So till next week then, I'll just say ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra!
0: Cheers for that, Roger. Insightful as always. Up now then, we're over into the football news. Hello, I'm Ian and here's your latest football
9: news.
4: (laughs) Rumours West Brom could sell their stadium or their training base are categorically untrue, according to Chief Executive Ron Gourlay. Earlier this year, following confirmation that owner Guachuan Lai had taken a 4.95 million loan out of the club to put into another of his businesses, rumours began to surface that the Hawthorns could potentially be sold in the future. In a bid to make sure this did not happen, supporters went to Sandwell Council to explore the idea of making the ground an asset of community value, with similar steps being taken with other grounds in England in recent years. Now Gourlay has addressed the issue in the latest Albion Assembly last month and insisted the speculation is untrue while adding the club would not object to a group applying for the ground to be an asset of community value. Minutes published by the club this week state Ron Gourlay then addressed fan concerns regarding the club's accounts as well as external speculation around the sale of the stadium and or training ground. Ron Gourlay stated the club is in the process of responding to queries raised by shareholders for Albion and confirmed he expects the £4.95 million loan owed by Wisdom Smart Corporation Limited to be repaid with interest by December 31st, 2022. Earlier in the meeting, Steve Bruce became the first West Brom manager to attend an Albion assembly meeting, discussing the transfer window and start of the season with supporters. Elsewhere, Gourlay updated the assembly on season ticket sales, revealing that almost 25% of season ticket purchases came from under 18s, with the kids for a quid scheme also being well received alongside the new family area. He explained that the club was still trying to bring in non-executive directors onto the board and plans to appoint a director of football operations remain in place. Bruno Large believes his Wolves defence have adapted well to their switch to a back four this season. A huge turnover in players this summer coincided with a change in system as Large made his long-awaited formation change. After four seasons playing five at the back with former boss Nuno Espirito Santo, Large believes his side have adjusted well to the transition. Everyone is doing a good job in the defensive line, Large said. Since the first day of pre-season we have trained the line of four and how they coordinate. It's different to a line of five, with the space and gaps between defenders being bigger. They need to run more distance and with a different tempo and I think they have adapted. I remember one game in pre-season, and at half-time Max Kilman had done more runs at a higher intensity than he would normally do in 90 minutes, because it's different. To press you need to be higher up the pitch, which offers more space in behind, but with time they have adapted very well. With time we can see that they are doing a good job. Nathan Collins' suspension for the next three games leaves Large with a decision to make on his replacement. Although it means moving Kilman to the right side, Totti Gomez is more likely to come in for Collins after playing some top-flight football last season, as Yerson Mosquera is yet to feature in the Premier League. Nelson Semedo was surprisingly benched against Manchester City, having now made his recovery from a torn hamstring. Large has been managing the right-back's minutes in order to keep him fit, and he will be in contention to play against West Ham this Saturday.
0: Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always, by Mina.
6: The weather for this week ahead looks to start off wet and windy, but will eventually become more settled and overcast. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 16 degrees. UV levels are expected to be low throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 7.16am for the sunrise and 18.37pm for the sunset. For Friday 30th of September we have thundery showers and a gusting breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. Moving on to Saturday 1st of October and Sunday 2nd of October we have light cloud and a moderate breeze with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. For Monday 3rd and Tuesday 4th of October we have light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 17 degrees. And for Wednesday 5th and Thursday 6th of October it's light cloud and gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 16 degrees. So, that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather!
0: Coming up next on this edition, we have Sounds of Nature.
10: Male skylarks can be spotted rising almost vertically from farmland, grassland salt marshes and moorland they hover singing from a great height before parachuting back down to earth these long and complicated song flights can last for up to an hour and the birds can reach 300 miles Despite their aerial activities, Skylarks nest on the ground, laying three to four eggs. Chicks can become independent after only two weeks and parents can have up to four broods in a breeding season.
0: This recording was made by Lawrence Shove and was made available by the British Library. Up now, we hear some inspiring stories of friends and family stepping in to help people with visual impairments.
1: TNF soundings. Features from across the UK.
11: Hello, I'm Nikki. And here's a piece by Fiona about visually impaired people and their dreams coming true. Visually impaired people are getting by with a little help from their friends. There is no doubt that the challenges faced by people with disabilities, such as visual impairment, are becoming recognised more widely. One result of this is the increasing awareness of charities which support visually impaired people. Another outcome is the willingness of individuals to step in to help people with visual impairment with everyday tasks and even in realising their dreams. There is a remarkable young man living in Northamptonshire. He is sighted and his sister has been blind from birth. Now he plans to raise funds for the Royal National Institute for Blind People, the RNIB, by climbing a mountain. An admirable plan. But there is one surprising detail. Incredibly, Edward Smith will attempt to climb Khao Chang Phuik, a mountain in Thailand, approximately 1,249 metres above sea level, while wearing a blindfold. Edward, 21, from Morton Pinckney said, My sister has always inspired me by the way she navigates a world that's designed for people with sight. I wanted to fundraise for RNIB as a thank you for their support over the years, and I thought this could be the perfect way. Edward will be climbing with a companion and will be blindfolded for a total of 72 hours during the trip. During the climb, he will be live streaming and posting regular updates on his Instagram account. Good luck, Edward. Rachel Gaysford of Oxfordshire County Council's Sensory Impairment Team was inspired to help Tony Radulovich realise her dream. She stepped in to help Tony, from Wantage, achieve her ambition of taking a microflight. Tony's lifelong dream of flying in a lightweight aeroplane and paragliding seemed to be further away than ever when in 2006 she was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, a condition which has affected her vision. Irregular eye movements and deterioration in eyesight are common for people with MS, meaning that many people with the symptoms require additional support. Tony was struggling to manoeuvre her wheelchair safely and needed support to learn how best she could use it while retaining the independence it gave her. During a consultation with Rachel, Tony shared her ambition. Rachel contacted volunteer-run charity Flyability and things literally took off. Flyability is a UK-based charity that works to help disabled people fly hang gliders and paragliders. Not only has Tony now realised her dream with a trip around the Oxfordshire countryside in an ultralight aircraft, but she also now has plans to go paragliding. Even in Hollywood, it seems, people are going the extra mile to help visually impaired actors achieve success. Paramount Studios' new series Star Trek Strange New Worlds introduces a character called Hemmer, who is blind, but sees using telepathy. Canadian actor Bruce Horak, who has just 9% vision, was delighted to be invited to play the role. However, despite efforts by the makeup crew, Bruce was unable to tolerate the white full eye contact lenses which he was asked to wear while filming, as they were too uncomfortable. The effect aimed to represent the character's complete blindness. The solution Paramount creatives came up with was to give Bruce completely white eyes on screen using computer-generated imagery, so he didn't need to wear the lenses. After that, the only uncomfortable part was the three and a half hours he spent in makeup every morning, having 15 individual prosthetic pieces glued to his face and hands. Having a legally blind actor play a blind character is a great step forward in terms of on-screen representation, said Bruce. I'm very honoured to be able to do this. I know that being cast in a show this size is like winning the lottery for any actor of whatever ability. DNF
1: Soundings.
0: Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out as we have the quiz answers.
6: Hello, and here are your answers for this week's Flashback Quiz. Are you ready? Question 1. What was the name of the former site of Dudley Hippodrome? Answer. The Dudley Opera House. Question 2. What year did the Hippodrome open? And the answer. 1938. Question 3. How many seeds were in the Hippodrome? And the answer here is 1750. Question 4. Which room in the station hotel is reputed to be haunted? And the answer here is room 214. Question five. What sport was staged in the Hippodrome until 1969? And the answer, live wrestling. And finally, question six. In what year did the Hippodrome finally close? And the answer here is 2009. How did you do? Great, I hope. But if not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Now, did you get the answer to this week's Guess the Sound question that Rob asked at the start of the show? Here's one more chance to hear it before I tell you the answer. The sound you just heard was a recording of someone playing a boogle. Now, to end this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have some autumn gardening tips.
1: TNF Soundings. Features from across the UK.
9: This is Jan with some more gardening tips written by Jane. September is the first month of autumn the season of mist and mellow fruitfulness, as John Keats described it. At this time of year, the garden, as usual, is a place where no gardener can be lazy. This year, September began with drought conditions. Then came heavy rain and thunderstorms in most parts of the country. Weather conditions have made gardening difficult this year, and there are still many jobs to be done. Key tasks that you need to tackle during the autumn include deadheading, Cutting off the flower heads on any bedding plants in troughs and hanging baskets is still needed. Next on the list is pruning. Trimming back plants such as lavender bushes, roses, shrubs and perennials such as crocosmia is important so that pests do not appear. Mulching is also useful as a way of preventing pests from spreading. You should now be picking ripe fruits and storing the fruit you cannot eat immediately. Take care to store excess fruit, such as apples, in a dry area where they will keep for use later in the year. Thinking ahead, autumn is the time to start planting spring bulbs, such as daffodils and tulips, as they will mature during winter in time to bloom next spring. Now is also the time to tidy up strawberry plants and pot up new runners in readiness for spring planting. And when you've done all that, You should find time to place plants that need protection in a greenhouse or indoors and plant crops such as lettuces, radishes and spinach. Good luck with your autumn gardening. DNF
1: Soundings
12: bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening. And thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who, without their support, will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News.
6: ta